We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here today. I am here today. Cooley is scheduled for tomorrow. Please rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify, especially Apple. If you have to pause it to give us a five-star rating, uh, write a one- to two-sentence review. It really helps us out. You guys have done a really nice job with it uh, over the last couple of months. We're consistently very highly ranked on Apple, and we just, you know, we need to stay there because it just helps us with uh, the advertising um, dollars, which help to support um, all of this great conversation that we have that riles (laughs) up many of you. Uh, boy, if you want to really get riled up, read Tommy's column today about DeShazer, Everett, and Ron Rivera. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, man, I'll tell you, you know, this team, it, they're the gift that keeps on giving, Tommy. Uh, I, I really kind of like some of the things I'm learning about some of the quarterbacks coming out of the Senior Bowl. I think maybe they should be able to trade up to get Malik Willis. He's got a ceiling that <laughs> some say is Josh Allen uh, combined with Lamar Jackson. Oh, what are you ceiling. talking about? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? This is not – let's have a new nickname for it. You Remember must... that children's book, the, the great children's book called The Giving Tree? No. You ever remember that? It's a great children's book. I no. mean, by Shel Silverstein. That's what this team is. They're the giving tree. Uh, they're, uh, they're beyond the gift that keeps on giving. You know, can we start there? Because we'll get to all the stuff from yesterday, and we'll get to Tommy's column, and we'll get to John Allen and Hitler. I didn't think that we'd be, you know, if you t- if you told me, hey, sometime this week you're going to do a show where you're going to do a segment on John Allen and Hitler in the same segment. That, you could have gotten you could have gotten really good odds on that one. But let's start right there because not right there, not John Allen and Hitler, but what you just said, like the gift that keeps on giving. It is like a constant flood of, you know, topics to discuss as it's yeah, as it relates to the football team uh, or the organization I should say not always just the football team um but is it really just a gift I mean at what at what point I mean I, I it's not football season right now so there aren't games going on there is a Super Bowl on Sunday but it doesn't involve 
once again for the 30th consecutive year. It doesn't involve our team here in Washington. Um, But it's really sad that they can't figure it out. And, and and it's it to me like me you know I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday a week you know a week after the naming thing Tommy I, I've not talked to one person not one of any age group that actually thought that last week's announcement both in execution and in you know final decision on name etc was was a positive. I don't know. I haven't met one person that likes the name or anything else associated with it. It is what I thought it would be. I think it was a death blow for a lot of people. Like, it was the final blow. But it's just one cut after another. It's one jab after another with many uppercuts along the way from this franchise. And, I mean, when will it ever stop? And at some point, doesn't it get tiring talking about it? To you, no. To me, a little bit. I mean, I... Yesterday was a bit exhausting. Oh, my God. Trying to keep up with it. It was exhausting. You know me. Like, I always have a bunch of topics that are football-related or Super Bowl-related. Like, today, by the way, was the first day this week we've been able to do, you know, Super Bowl trivia on radio. I love doing that stuff. And, by the way, that's always a big hit, as you know. With the listeners, you know, we did some Super Bowl talk. Um, I had uh, Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports uh, on on the radio show talking about Mobile and the quarterbacks. Um, but my God, they just—it's—it really is an organization that is. Even when you bring, I think, good people into the organization, like Ron Rivera, who you don't think is such a good person, we'll get to that a little bit later, it's never going to change as long as Dan is there. You know, everything stems from Dan. When I hear people say to me, you're just way too focused. Like, you don't think the football team can win because of the owner? You know, like, well... Everything stems from him. Think about this. Dwayne Haskins was drafted in the top half of the first round. What a waste. You don't think that impacted the football product? That was Dan. You think all of these coaches that keep coaching playoff games and Super Bowls that were here in Washington, why aren't they here? Well, they all couldn't be here. I understand that. They all couldn't be, you know, we couldn't keep them all and have them all with head coach titles. But the owner picked the quarterback over all of these smart people that knew what they were talking about. It all stems from him, and it never stops. And it's one horrible decision after another. This is is the essence of the the Surgeon General's warning. Uh, And this is what I've preached for years. It really doesn't matter who coaches the team. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You are never going to win, be a winner, as long as Dan Snyder owns the team. You'll, you'll fall into the occasional accidental winning season, and there may be at some point some miracle where you'd actually get more than 10 wins in a season. But to consistently win, and I mean consistently for this team, would be two or more years? No. No. Not with this guy as the owner. Not going to happen. 
And you know, the other part of this, when you you don't you know draw a straight line from his incompetent ownership and his behavior to the football operation, you know, over and over again, you should always assume that there is a direct link. I mean, like you know, I had the news on Monday, hundred um, percent confident, as I've said before that Russell Wilson would not, you know, uh, strike Washington off his list if, you know, there was a trade possibility. And and real quickly, let me just interject. If you missed Michael Sean Duger or Dugar from uh, The Athletic who covers the Seahawks, he was on the show yesterday. It's a pretty good segment. I mean, he's tight with the Seahawks and, you know, he didn't really think that Russell Wilson would get traded, but then he offered up some possibilities as to why he might get traded. Like, last year he wanted to be traded. Um, but, you know, every day this week, you know, going back to last week with the naming, and then this week, you know, with, with you know, uh, all of the stuff that started yesterday with the, the investigation and the DeShazer-Everett stuff, it's just one big negative story after another. Um Eventually, these players, like this dude Snyder, man, Jesus, God, he launches an investigation and then the league just literally emasculates him yeah. within two oh, hours. Gosh. I mean, just. It was like, it was like they, they said, get out of the way, Sonny. Let the men handle this. He's five foot seven and he became three foot six within two hours. And by the way, yes. that's not good for him to be even shorter. I mean, seriously, I mean, what a terrible idea. That's another quick recommendation if you missed Howard Gutman on the show yesterday. Howard, the former ambassador to Belgium, who's been a big fan of Tommy and me and the show over the years. He's a phenomenal lawyer, longtime, big-time lawyer in town. He had so many interesting thoughts on this. And this was before the league took it back. And he, you know, one of the things, one of the things he said is, I mean, somebody needs to get to him and just say, this is a terrible idea. You don't launch an investigation into yourself. I mean, I, 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 um, you know, it's like Ron Rivera wants us all to move forward, right? How many times has he said that? We all want to move oh my forward. And, yep. you know, I know you had it in your last column. You went back and you had the 2020 quote, which I wrote down, um, where he said, um, biggest thing, this is from 2020, biggest thing is that we have to move forward from this and make sure everybody understands we have policies that we will follow and that we have an open-door policy with no retribution. And then he talked about how, um, you know, uh, his daughter works for the team. I'm sure as hell not going to allow any of this. Dan Snyder brought me here to change the culture, create an environment of inclusion among employees. I believe everyone that works for this franchise has a vested interest in our success. Blah, 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 blah. Jason writes similar stuff about values and transparency, aligning with Dan and Tanya when he got hired. But, you know, more recently, it's been Rivera, you know, to say, let's, you know, let's, let's put the past in the past and let's focus on the future, you know, and I know a lot of you and, and uh, to, to some extent, um, you know, not as passionately as before, a lot less passionately before, but it, it would be nice to be able to just come in here every day and talk football, which we primarily do by the way, um, more, to, more often than not, but you've got an owner that keeps advancing the past with his actions. He just keeps bringing the past back over and over again. He, 
He's the one that yesterday announced they're going to launch an investigation into himself over the most recent allegation, which he had already had his attorney say was an outright lie on his behalf. Um, And then he's going to advance this story. By the way, advice from anybody with a brain would have said, don't do this, don't do this. Um, but he saw an opportunity with an allegation that you know he either thought a wasn't true or b wasn't provable, you know, and he saw a big opportunity for a PR boost. You know what? I'm going to hire this impe- independent investigator, and they can't prove any of this. Or maybe he didn't do it, and maybe she was lying. I mean, she wasn't under oath. Um, and you know, and then they're going to forget about the Beth Wilkinson stuff. You know, instead of thinking to himself. Why bring this up again? Why keep furthering the story? People aren't going to buy that the in- investigation is independent if we're launching it. People aren't going to bu- uh, going to buy that if we say up front we're going to make the findings public that we're going to produce an outcome that 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 shows that I actually did harass her. Nobody's going to believe this thing. And oh by the way, you know, I might do this and the league might take it back from me right away. Nobody considered any of that. It's. I don't know. I don't. At this point, you almost have to consider this owner to be maybe innately intelligent, but not very smart. Those two things are different. You can be not smart but have innate intelligence. He does a lot of dumb stuff over and over and over again. How ridiculously transparent was it to everybody with the first announcement? Anybody with a single-digit IQ knew that an investigation paid for by him to investigate himself, let me repeat, investigate himself, anybody was going to perceive that to be illegitimate. And then... You know, I look, yesterday I wasn't thinking, oh, the league's going to come in and take this one over as well. But literally 20 minutes after the podcast, my interview with Howard Gutman, they came in and emasculated him. You know, that's, now are we sure uh, that he's not going to go through with his own investigation too? I mean, we know. Has there been any word from the team that says, well, we're, we're, we're not going to do ours because the league is doing one now? The, the the quote from um, the quote from the commissioner yesterday during his uh, by the way uh, I yesterday before I did the podcast real quickly Tommy I didn't realize that yesterday was kind of the commissioner's state of the union the one question uh, that needed to be asked did we talk about this the other day maybe we did the one question because I mentioned this to Howard somebody needed to ask him what were Beth Wilkinson's recommendations and did you follow them simple question. Now, he may have said uh, she had a lot of recommendations and we took a lot of them into consideration and we ended up finding the team $10 million and it's the largest fine ever imposed upon any of our teams, yada, yada. Somebody should have asked, what were Beth Wilkinson's recommendations and did you follow them? And then, you know, the follow-up would be if he danced around it, did she recommend that he divest his ownership? Because that was the report that Jason, 1067... The fan, the junkies had that, you know, I never, I never poo-pooed to begin with. I mean, you know, I, no. I, I, 
why would I mean I, I I know him and you know these radio shows which I'm a part of rarely do we get this kind of news we're not searching for it because it's not a big part of what we do so why would he just make it up I think he did see the recommendation I don't think anybody asked him that yesterday well my my point about uh, assuming that the team's not going to do their own investigation they're probably not but I was really looking forward to the team's investigation. I mean, I really was looking forward to how this was going to unfold. Because, you know, they hired a law firm that turned around and put in charge the Bridgegate lawyer, Deborah Wong Yang. Oh, is she, she's Chris Christie's? She was yeah, the Chris she, Christie she Bridgegate was, lawyer? She was I didn't the know woman who, who investigated Chris Christie uh, on Bridgegate, while at the same time held fundraisers for his presidential campaign. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that would have been uh, a perfect Dan Steiner investigator. That's interesting. You know, I'm kind of disappointed we're not going to see that through. Well, can I just mention one other thing? I was looking thing. forward to that. O- on that subject, you know, I asked Howard about this because I guess I'm not as... Li- uh, of course, I'm skeptical about, you know, an investigation paid for by the group that's being investigated, clearly. But I am a little bit less, like, sure that these high-priced attorneys would just come in and completely sandbag the whole thing and essentially write, like, a marketing piece as an investigation for the client. I just don't think they do that, you know, no matter how much money they're being paid. And Howard really spoke to that, too. He said, no, these are, these are people that are not going to come in and just essentially write a piece that says, oh, he's totally innocent. Um, and by the way, I opened up the possibility with him that it could lead to other interviews. Like, the, you know, they might go on, oh, really, to find out more about Tiffany Johnston. We need to find, we need to talk to other people about Tiffany and other people about Dan. But anyway, I digress. Here's what the commissioner said. We'll do an investigation. We've said from day one that we will look into this. I do not see any way a team can do its own investigation of itself. That's something we would do, and we would do with an outside expert that would help us come into the, come to the conclusion of what the facts were, what truly happened, so we can make the right decision from there. We'll treat that seriously, closed quote. Um, now, I mean, the league taking over this investigation, it's still kind of the same thing because they have the ultimate goal to make sure yeah. that, you know, uh, if they're – if if there's something there, we've already seen, and we don't we don't know what's in the Beth Wilkinson report, but he he did not commit, by the way, to making the findings public. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But okay, all that said, mm-hmm. if if they find enough credible informa- con- conclusion that Tiffany Johnston was in fact telling the truth, isn't that the death knell for Dan Snyder? Do you think that Dan Snyder, I mean, look, they have, they, they've been a, a constant, you know, the theme has been self-sabotage over the last 22 years. But do you really think that they were ready to launch an investigation into themselves if they thought the investigation would, uh, would culminate with he committed fourth-degree sexual assault based on Listen, law? And invest, investigations go where you want them to go, Okay. They all do. Yeah. They're, they're not like some, like, you know, 
amorphous animal that just exists by itself. They go by the uh, by the you know the direction that the people in charge want them to go. Listen, Beth Wilkinson stood on the steps of a courthouse and said the NFL didn't hide any information about the severity and the damage of concussions to players. So she was capable of anything. Well, she also may have recommended that he be forced to sell the team. You know, if you believe the report. From- yes, yeah, she may have. Yeah. But 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 then they say, Beth, thank you. Let me put that in the incinerator with with the with the Spygate information and all the other stuff that we dump, and you go back to Washington and be a good soldier because that's what you are, and keep your mouth shut. I mean, to answer your question, I just don't think that this investigation is going to end up, you know, uh, end up with any kind of definitive proof that he sexually assaulted but Tiffany if it Johnson. Does, not, not, there doesn't need to be definitive proof. It's not a court of law. Do you believe the witness? Is the witness credible enough to come to a conclusion? So if the league's investigation, um, headed by the woman who was helping Chris Christie with fundraising after investigating No, no that's not the league. That, that, was, that, was, oh, Dan that was Dan Snyder's okay. investigation. Oh, that was Dan. So who's, no, the, I don't know who the league is using to I, investigate. I thought, that, I thought the league is going to use the same group. I don't, I, I don't think that was clear. Was it clear? Maybe not. I, I, I don't think it's clear. Maybe not. I hope not, because I was joking around about the, you know, the, the, looking forward to a, a, a Yang investigation, you know, the, the, the Christie hack. Uh, I don't think the league, I don't know, I've not read anything that said the league is just taking over the Washington investigation. The least I've read that they're going to do their own independent investigation okay so, so did, that's the case they're so, going to decide who's going to do it do you, so the answer is no that's my answer because are you going to tell me that you think that among the 32 owners that at some point at some time in a meeting or in a restaurant or in a bar or in a situation booze flowing that one of these owners with some young, um, or not even young, but with some woman didn't make an advance, an unwanted advance on that woman and put their hand on an area of their body that was inappropriate? Are you going to tell me you don't think that's happened before? Oh, but that, that if the NFL comes out and says he did this, that's irrelevant. That is totally I, irrelevant. I guess what I'm getting to is they're not they're gonna come they're gonna come back and there's going to be um, essentially the the findings that we, we could not come to a conclusion on these allegations. We wish you know her the best and oh by the way, have you seen the latest report and the latest audit on what a great workplace culture the Washington commanders have right now? Because you know, I, I read Is there that. any doubt by the way now? Is there any doubt now that there'll be a hearing on Capitol Hill where Dan Snyder is going to have to show up and testify? I think there's very little doubt of that, that that's not going to happen now. How many words? I mean, all this how many, how many, to it. How many um, words do you think he will use on his own um, off, like, you know, quick, quick, uh, being very quick um, in response, in response, rather than just looking at his attorney and speaking exactly what the attorney tells him to say, it's going to be. It doesn't matter. I know. Just the I, fact that he's up there, you know, on on, on national TV, 
answering, you know, being asked questions by members of Congress and, and embarrassing the NFL, uh, you know, to, to depths that they don't want to be embarrassed at. They have a level of embarrassment, obviously, that they're used to operating with. And I'm not sure this is it. I think if there's any kind of conclusion that, that the, uh, that what Tiffany Johnson, you know, said to the, uh, in the round table was true or, uh, at the very least, that they couldn't disprove it. I think. I think he's gone. No, I think. I think he's gone. I, I don't. I think it would have to be proven, um, because I think so, a statement saying we couldn't disprove it is just not going to be enough. And I don't think that they. It just wouldn't be enough. I, you know, t- Tommy. Th- I mean, th- that would be interesting. It would be fascinating, obviously, to see him in front of Congress. Let's just get back to what he did yesterday. Like this is, you know, at the core, people. This is why your your owner is really either dumb, super impulsive, obviously incredibly arrogant and narcissistic. But this guy had this idea in his brain to announce that they were going to launch an investigation into himself. And literally, the re- reaction was immediate from everywhere. Like Lisa Banks and Deborah Katz, you know, the two attorneys who represent the women. The idea yes. that Dan Snyder has hired a team to investigate his own actions is utterly absurd. This is a desperate PR stunt, clearly do- designed to absolve him of wrongdoing. I mean, a- a- anybody that was looking or watching this understood that he's not going to launch an investigation into himself if he thinks it's going to generate a bad result. It was so transparent that this was a PR stunt from the very beginning. Uh, you know, I can't tell you that I foresaw the league coming in and doing what they did, but they must have thought that that was a possibility if they were thinking it through because they did it before with the Wil- with the Wil- Wilkinson investigation. Like yesterday was another example of just how utterly, utterly incompetent they are. I mean, does anybody in that organization have the ability to say to him, don't sue that old lady who's a season ticket holder. Please don't get into a confrontation and a lawsuit with the city paper. Please listen to me when I tell you, do not go after this woman from the $1.6 million settlement and offer her more compensation not to say anything. It's going to get out, and it's going to be positioned as hush money. You know, please, by the way, don't leak these emails. I'm kidding on that one because I have no idea if you leak the emails or not. Please do not launch an investigation into yourself. Don't you see how transparent this is? Either nobody said that or which I uh, you know I've heard this before he's not ever going to listen to anybody that's stupid I think that's the case he's just not going to listen and the people who work for him the longest are the ones who recognize that and just their vocabulary consists of yes Dan we'll get right on that Jason writes the team president he's the team president He's essentially on the org chart, should be the number two in the organization. Do you think he was consulted on this? Or this was a Dan and Jordan Siev, his attorney idea? 
I, I just my guess would be if I was being transparent, I would say no. <laughs> Incredible. You know, I, I was thinking also because um, we've talked about this before. None of this recent activity around the sexual harassment allegations going back to, you know, all these years ago, which he continues to hang on as if it means anything. Like, well, they were very long ago. So what? Um, For starters. And secondly, as I've explained many times, the calendar math, they can't even figure out. They're not smart enough to figure out the calendar math. Oh, so when you were actually involved in the day-to-day, that's when all these allegations took place. Oh, we get it. We're able to do it. But, Tommy, the emails... The emails brought this back into the conversation. It was dying, if not dead. Yes. I mean, yes. and these... And, and the emails is still very much, still a very much a live issue. But... I mean, that's part of what the committee is looking at, the House subcommittee, the House Committee on Oversight. They're uh, interested in those emails, and you've got the Gruden lawsuit still active, although I'm not sure how much the legs that that lawsuit is going to have, really. You were the first to kind of connect the dots with the guy Andrew Beaton from the Wall Street Journal, the first to break the news on the uh, Gruden first email, um, you know, talking about um, Demora Smith uh, in a very uh, racially insensitive way, um, it, and 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 the puff piece that he had written on Dan Snyder a few months earlier, one of the grossest. Um, puff pieces I've ever seen. I mean, honestly, the, the guy should be ashamed of, of himself for, for writing that story. Um, it was such an embarrassment and so poorly researched. Um, that was the one where we got, Dan Snyder's got to get more involved now. Um, you know, yeah. uh, and, and again, the writer couldn't figure out, well, if he wasn't, hasn't been involved, well, all these allegations are from when he was involved. Um, you were the first, <laughs> you were the first to connect the dots on, well, uh, Beaton was the first to get this email story. He's obviously got a relationship with Snyder or people associated with Snyder. You know, the one well, of the-, the guy, the guy that the team hired, uh, I forget the guy's name now, like a couple of months earlier, the team hired a guy whose job was inv- overseeing content yeah, he had for come- the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, he had come from the journal. Exactly. I'm forgetting his name too. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, the fact that, uh, why would he do it? Well, because he's vindictive, he's impulsive, and Bruce Allen, he knew would you know would, would uh, a very poor light would be uh, would 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 hit would be uh, shown on on Bruce Allen, and he didn't care about Gruden at that point either. If if he was um, if if he was damaged by this, I don't know if if Dan Snyder or somebody associated with Dan Snyder leaked these emails to the Wall Street Journal and then eventually to the New York Times. There's so many different theories on this. But if he leaked these, I mean, again, I mean, the all-time dumbest thing ever. It was done. It was basically over. I don't know. We could Tiffany Johnston coming out and making these claims because she didn't speak to Beth Wilkinson, you know, could have brought it back into, um, you know, uh, into a news story. But it's it's really it, it's remarkable. Um, 
And it, it just never ends. You know, I've joked around with yeah. Rivera before, you know, during some of these times, like during the season when something would come up. And I remember saying to him towards the end of the season, serious question, do you ever go home with all of these other non-football-related stories circulating about the organization that you work for? And do you ever go home and look at your wife, Stephanie, and just say, my God, what did we get ourselves into here? And he, he always kind of laughs, or he laughed and giggled the first time I asked him and did the same the second time. You know they've had those conversations. You know, like somebody said to him, look, this is a mess here, but, you know, you got a pretty good team. You got a decent roster. You got the number two pick in the draft. And he's so desperate right now because the business of the Washington Redskins is so bad that, you know, he's going to give you the autonomy. He's going to let you do this. And Joe may have said he's really desperate now. And then all hell broke loose. I mean, the name, the pandemic, his cancer, the post stories with the allegations, just one thing after another. And it's been a very, very trying time for him. Nobody could have predicted all of that, you know, when he took the job, clearly. But, um, yeah. So anyway, Kenny Pickett's hand size apparently is like eight and a quarter inches. <laughs> and that really has people upset. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh my God, you know, it's Super Bowl week. I'm excited about this Super Bowl. I- I'm really excited about this Super Bowl because I have a very strong opinion about what's going to happen in this Super Bowl. And in fact, last night, Tommy, I was out last night. I was at DC nine uh, down on 14th Street because uh, my son's um, my son and, and his girlfriend, who have a band, uh, were playing down there. Uh, they opened up for another act, and so uh, we went down there. We went to dinner. Oh, wow! Went to cool. went to dinner uh, down uh, in Logan, and then went there. By the way, I, I, I'm not good um, on late nights out uh, with cocktails anymore, and then doing the radio show the following morning. <laughs> but besides that, um, I ended up in a long conversation with somebody who you know um, listens to the show, <clears throat> and. Um, and he said, I, I just sense that you're really into the Rams this week. I'm like, I am. Like, I just, I, it's not, it's not the, the smell test thing, although I think they're going to fit the smell test. But I, I just, I have a very strong, strong belief that the Rams are not only going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to win it big going away. And I love Joe Burrow. And I love the Bengals story. And if I wasn't going to bet on the Rams, which I'm going to, um, I would probably be rooting for Cincinnati. Uh, but I just think it's a mismatch up front. And I think it's going to be uh, – right. you know, the other thing I'm looking for, and I was looking for it on MyBookie, MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. They'll double your money. I'm looking um, for the Aaron Donald MVP odds because I have a feeling Aaron Donald's going to win the MVP. Uh, and it's just going to be a dominant day for the Rams defense. That's what I'm seeing. And like, you know, something like 31 to 14 kind of a game. You'll give me wow. your prediction on the game uh, before the end of this show today. Yeah, but you, you know, know it's, it's the lowest, it's the lowest seeded Super Bowl in history. The lowest seeded? Yeah, the lowest seeded matchup in history of the Super Bowl. They've never had two four seats. 
go against each other in the Super Bowl. Wow. There's I... never been a Super Bowl without at least a one, two, or a three seed. Really? I didn't yes. know that. I would have guessed that, that and, if you had given me that as a true false, I would have said false. It's happened before. And it's the most combined losses of two teams in a Super Bowl. Well, we had the 17 both, game schedule. They had 12. Right. But, well, they had 12 losses Yeah, they uh, were, combined. They were both 11 and 6 in the regular season. You know, so, I mean. Right. I mean, that, that's not that, that's not as surprising because you had the extra game. But I am surprised that this is the lowest matchup. I mean, we've had wild card teams and, the, you know, six seeds, like the Giants, I believe, you know, make the Super Bowl. But what you're saying is they've never played anything lower than a three. No. No. I mean, two fours never happened before. Hmm. Um. Okay. Uh, you know what? I've got a Super Bowl trivia question for you before the end of this show. Uh, but let's get to your column on DeShazer Everett, another positive Washington football team story. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Uh, Tommy has some news that he is going to break on the podcast today related to Bradley Beal and the Wizards. So stay tuned for that. Or I guess on a podcast you could just fast forward to that. We'll do that in the fall. <laughs> we'll do that in the final segment. All right, tell everybody about the column that you wrote today that you told me before the show has created as much vitriol as any column you've ever written. Yes. And I knew it. I, I knew it was not a clear-cut, obvious kind of thing. That if you read it, you say, "Yeah, you know, he's right." Uh, I know there was a lot of buttons uh, that it was going to push. The uh, Shazer Everett was charged earlier this week with involuntary manslaughter by Loudoun County uh, law enforcement uh, for the accident that happened in late December on a Loudoun County road 
that wound up killing uh, a 29-year-old woman. Uh, and uh, it put the Shazer Everett in the hospital, but he was with non-life-threatening injuries, and he was released. And uh, that was the beginning of Ron Rivera's several attempts to, to uh, what I think, talk about the, the, the Shazer Everett accident as a way to defend and explain the failures of his team and the struggles that his team was going through. And part and what made me cringe is I knew what was coming. And if I knew what was coming, Ron Rivera should have known what was coming. Explain, I knew explain what you knew that, what was coming. Okay. I knew that, that he was going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter at some point. You know, I find it curious that Loudon County business partners with the, with the commanders uh, didn't, announce, didn't announce the charges being filed until after the name was changed. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I knew, I mean, based on what I knew about what happened on that road and the excessive amount of speed that the Shazer Everett was, was operating his car in with this woman as a passenger, I knew that involuntary manslaughter charges were going to be filed. And like I said, if I knew it, uh, Ron Rivera should have known it. He should have known it within a day or two uh, of, of the accident. Uh, of, of what was going to happen, and and when that, if, if given that circumstance, the only answer that the only reference you should have to to the, the to what your team is going through with the accident is, I can't comment on that. That's an ongoing investigation, not how it's it, it, it's real life circumstances. That your team is going through. Give everybody the I'm sorry. give everybody the quotes that you're talking about. The specific quotes when he made them, where you think he was more focused on what his team was going through um, versus what had happened in this tragedy. Okay, uh, the first thing he said was uh, right after the accident, the accident that killed Olivia Peters. Uh, this was the first comment, and it was the right comment. The only thing I want to say is that I was very sad to hear the news. My thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the young lady and also go out to the Shazer and his family as well. It's a difficult situation, and we'll let things go on and let the police and the investigation go through and find out what happened. So what's wrong with that But statement? that wasn't the only thing. Nothing. That was perfect. Okay. That, that, I, I point that out in the column. That, but, that, but it turns out that wasn't the only thing he said. After they got their ass handed to him on that Sunday night game against the Cowboys, uh, he went into uh, a defense of what they've been going through. Bad things happen, okay? You have to deal with those things, and it's tough. It's not easy to try to separate and compartmentalize situations like that. It spills over. It gets to people. It's human nature. These guys are more than just robots. They are players. They have a teammate going through something right now. It's tough. You know, I mean, you don't have to go there. I mean, basically what he was using was, was the Payne-Allen fight and their ass-kicking on the field to explain, uh, you know, what we saw, the collapse of his team uh, on the field there. At least that's the way I see it. And I cringe. And then he did it again uh, in, in, in the public spat, which involved you uh, with uh, <laughs> New York Giant coach Joe Judge who, you know, basically 
you know, Judge uh, talked about... Uh... Yeah. Okay, where's Judge's quote? Well, ju- Judge t- called them a clown show organization. And, you know, we don't, right. we, don't have, we don't have guys fighting on our sidelines like some clown show organization. Yeah, he took a shot. Direct yeah. shot. Yeah. 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 And basically, you know, I mean, Rivera had kind of begged off on, on talking about it until he came on the show with you. Right. Uh, on, I think it was the January 7th show where he said, to be upfront about it, it disappoints me because somebody to make a comment like that and not really know the circumstances of the situation we've gone through. I mean, for goodness sake, you know if you pay attention to what's happening, you would have found out that we just had one of our most popular players, a guy that's very popular amongst his teammates, was in a terrible accident where his longtime girlfriend is killed. Yeah, and then he mentioned that, that you know, Montez and then he mentioned they had, they had Montez Sweat, and I <clears throat> point that out in the column, okay. that, you know, they, there were other circumstances as well, but he was clearly hanging his hat on the DeShazer-Everett accident, in my opinion, so, so, and knowing yeah. that, that, that the circumstances were that he would be charged with killing this young woman, you can't say those things. What he did was horrific and irresponsible. Uh, according to the police report, he was doing double the 45-mile-an-hour speed limit, and my sources tell me he was going well over 100 miles an hour, uh, actually, uh, on, on that road that night. Uh, and and, and that, that, I don't know why he's still with the team, let alone using him as a defense to, to explain your team's poor play. If I told you that he's... And he should be cut. He, sh- he should be cut now. And the two guys who were there with him, uh, Jamin Davis and... Uh, Jamin, D- Jamin Davis. What was it? And Jamin Benjamin Davis St. and Benjamin St. Juice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, according to ESPN, they were following him. Well, I've been told they were racing. I don't know how... If that's the case, and if I'm, if I'm the first thing I've done with this investigation, if they have security for the team... It's investigated ourselves and find out what happened. And if you've got three teammates that are racing a month after the Los Las Vegas Raiders just had to cut an NFL player uh, who killed a woman while going 156 miles an hour in a DUI crash. Henry Ruggs. Yes, Henry Ruggs. I mean, I, I, I'm getting rid of I'm getting rid of Everett. He's being cut, and the other two guys. I don't know what I'm doing with. But I'm considering suspe- you know, some kind of disciplinary action against them as well. You know, this is supposed to be the new culture. And now there, there's uh, 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 one, of their, one of their team captains, and I know it was, it, it's involuntary manslaughter. He obviously didn't mean to kill this woman. But he was reckless and irresponsible and now could face jail time as a result. Could I get you to reconsider your harsh position if I told you he's vaccinated and boosted, Rivera? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I like Ron um, Rivera. I I think you're being but, way but too I hard. Think, on I him. think he... I think you're being way too hard on him. I I, I don't. I know. Well, we've talked about this I don't before. Think, you I don't, said that. I don't think there's anything in those quotes from him um, that intentionally minimizes the tragedy or the passing, the real tragedy, the passing of this young woman and the horrific 
um, uh, awful, uh, you know, uh, aftermath that her family and friends are dealing with. I just don't think any of that um, is really what he was speaking to. I think that, you know, look, I would agree with you that it would have probably been better with respect to this particular incident if he didn't interject it into a conversation after a loss a 56 to 14 loss or you know interjected into a conversation about Joe Judge being upset about what Joe Judge said I'm not going to disagree with you that that he probably he would have been better served to not bring this into that because it does it, it can come off as you're using this thing that your player did that you probably know more enough detail about um, as an excuse. Uh, that, that, but I don't think that that's what he did intentionally. I, I, I don't okay. think. Let I me point out in the yeah. calm. Okay. Let me point out in the calm. I say mm-hmm. is insensitive at the very least, callous at the very worst. So what you're talking about is insensitive. Yeah. Which I, I say it's a possibility. I would. I think it's not crazy for a reasonable person to read those quotes and now know exactly what happened, and probably, by the way, deduct that they knew what had happened because I don't think that's a reach either, uh, in terms of what happened. Um, to say, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have put that into that. Uh, the the context of the conversation about Joe Judge or getting your ass kicked 56-14 after what was a very trying week not just because you know they had a yes. they had a a tragedy with a player but they had all the covid stuff <clears throat> they had another player who had a, a a brother in Montez Sweat whose brother was murdered um they were going through a lot as an organization in the moment and for him to not articulate it well or to think through what would be sensitive or insensitive enough, I'm going to give him a. I'm going to give him a pass on that. I'm just giving okay, him a pass but, on but that because even if you do give him a pass yeah. on that, and I did say it at the very least, it's insensitive. Like, like in other words, maybe he didn't realize what he was doing. But if he did, that I don't is think callous. He did. So, okay, so I would say that's it. that's probably insensitive. But the first time he did it, and this speaks to the bigger issue that we just spent 45 minutes talking about, somebody in that building has to pull him aside and say, you can't do that anymore. There's only one oh, answer Tom, that Tom, everybody in the Tom, organization we, has we, we, on we, this. We've been talking about that building already today. Who in that building is going to I mean, I know. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, Ron is probably instinctually the brightest person in the organization. So nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna in that organization is gonna be able to tell him that you know you probably shouldn't do that. I just do not think that it was, you know, any kind of callous, you know, unsympathetic, intentioned um, uh, right. part on him. But, you, but you know what? And by the way, what do you say all the time? What do you say all the time? You know, track record means something. Do you have a track record with Ron Rivera being insensitive? I don't think so. I do. You do. I do. When? Yes, I do. In, in Carolina, after Jerry jo- after the after the Jerry, oh, Richardson, Jerry Richardson investigation, that, okay, that, that was, revealed that was that toned down. Not, not only, yeah, okay, his comments about dedicating the game to Jerry Richardson uh, to his teammates. So that was pretty tone deaf. But look, I think it's more likely he was insensitive 
and not really aware as opposed to callous. But if he was aware, then that's callous. What if... Okay. Okay. I, I think if he was aware, it can, it can come off as insensitive, but I don't think he meant it and, and had any idea that he was being insensitive. I think it was the heat of the moment after a loss. It was the heat of the moment of Joe Judge. Remember, he's managing, in addition to this one tragedy, he's managing all these coaches and 52 other people in the locker room and another ongoing tragedy with a player that he's involved in. All of these day-to-day COVID issues where you have games being rescheduled and ass-kicking a team that's folding because they don't have a, you know enough players to play one of the games barely. And I just think, you know, all all of that's adding up. You know, look, you can think whatever you want about Ron Rivera as a coach. You can think about whatever Ron Rivera is as a person. I mean, what he has entered into, you know, going back to January of 2020 and the organization that he inherited, which, by the way, he was put day one on Happy Thanksgiving Day as the face of the franchise. Oh, my God, has he had unbelievable obstacles on the path to somehow, you know, restoring, you know, some semblance of competence to this to this organization. But but it's not like there was a, a it's not like there was a bow and wrapping paper around this team and he suddenly opened it up and it exploded. Okay. Oh, no, that's true. But it but I'll tell you what, when he opened it up. Um, the, the, the amount of TNT in there was a lot more than he thought there was going to be. I mean, it, it caused well, it a lot always, more damage. It always is. Uh, well, I guess it so, but, but you could have never predicted. Like, if you were sitting there going, oh, Jesus, do I take this job or not? I mean, you know, this guy, I mean, we know what they are and what they've been. But Jesus, look at the roster, John Allen. You know, I kind of like this dude. Sweat. We got the number two pick. We can go get Chase Young. I like. You know what? This is the one where I could actually turn it around quickly. Hey, Joe, what's the deal with Dan? He's desperate. He is desperate. I mean, he doesn't have any choice but now to turn to someone like you and give you all of the autonomy. And I would ask for a coach-centric, you know, system and the whole thing. And Ron went for it. Ron couldn't have expected everything else that came afterwards. And no, no, one, no one could. I know that, but, and, but but I mean, with this team, the unexpected is the expected. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you you could argue that way. And look, uh, let me ask you this: Why is he still on the team? He's charged with killing this woman. Well, don't you have to wait until this sees its no, way they, through the, the courts? The, the Raiders cut cut rugs. I two two days three days after the accident. Uh, yeah, what was what was the alcohol content at the you know in his system? Yeah, at but, the time? but they didn't have to wait. You're saying they have to wait. Well, they didn't have the Raiders didn't wait. Well, I mean, we they we, just caught him. We only know what he's been charged with. There, I mean, the rugs thing I think is an apples and oranges thing, Tommy. Uh, well, it's still fruit. Um, I don't know. I, I you know. Why yeah, he, he, he should be cut. He should have been cut. Uh, the, the minute they knew what happened, he should have been cut. And uh, the fact that he's still on the team just just embarrasses this whole culture change. Well, so what do you want to do with this? Is a team, no, this, is a, this is an organization. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say this. I was going to say it, but now I'm going to back off. What? I'm going to back off. Nothing. Is, no. This is an organization that's what? 
Go ahead and say it. Come on, you can't do no, that. No, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Yes, I can. No, um, by the you way, don't want me to go uh, there. Can I just uh, can I just ask real quickly because I want to make sure that I am correct on this because I'm looking it up real quickly. The rugs thing was a, a DWI situation, right? It was. Yes, right? it was. Yeah, okay. yeah, he was drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and driving and, and no, driving like killed. it was like 150 miles per hour, right? Something 150 like miles an hour. Yeah. But once you get over 100 miles an hour, I'm not sure it matters that much. Yeah. So, so okay. So, so I mean, to me, this guy should not be on the team. If you really want to change the culture, I mean, for the fact that, that I, look, I find it hard to believe that after the rugs thing, that every team in the league didn't sit their players down and say, look at this. Look what happened here. You've got to be extra careful. You've got to be extra vigilant about this. I mean, can I – look, he broke the law, clearly, um, and it resulted in a woman dying. And, you know, there will be – you know, his attorney, by the way, said we we're going to vigorously defend DeShazer in this case, and who knows? And that's why I think you got to wait until there's an actual – um, conviction, you know, from Washington's standpoint. Kevin, and here's why. Hold, I mean, let, you, me fin- you, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because, go ahead. because the, the, the big difference between rugs in this is the alcohol. Um, that's the massive difference between the two. By the way, they both ended in tragedy. That's the similarity of the two. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take them off the hook for doing twice the legal speed limit and perhaps a lot more than twice the legal speed limit. That is obviously irresponsible and put, you know, himself and this woman um, at jeopardy. But, you know, uh, these athletes, and Tommy, when it comes to cars, when it comes to cars, I mean, if you're going to cut every single player, NFL player or athlete, a lot of these guys are rush junkies to begin with. I'm not, by the way, I'm not absolving him. I'm just telling you, if you're going to start cutting every single player that gets charged with reckless driving, um, which is, you know, typically I think I could be wrong about this because I've been charged with reckless driving before. Um, and, you know, going for, uh, twice over the speed limit, I mean, that's probably ha- yeah, it's probably 20% of every team. You know, you shouldn't, but, be, but you shouldn't be doing it with somebody else in that. the car. What? Why are you bringing that up? What? I didn't even say that. What? Let's just limit it to the players who speeds and then kills somebody in the car. I know that. I, I, I understand the difference. I understand the difference. Okay. I'm just, and I, I'm not saying that you suggested that you'd have to cut everybody. Um, but let's just say, uh, well, I mean, yeah. You, no, know, the, the foren- you know the forensics the, the, on traffic accidents. Yeah. There's not a lot of ambiguity. I know. I understand. I okay. just, I, I think you have to wait until you get a, a conclusion to this case. I don't think so. He should be gone. Okay. So what do you want to do with John Allen and Hitler? <laughs> he apologized. Everything's okay. I think it is. Look at I was taking I was taking the task on social media for for pointing out that, you know how how ridiculous this was. And people said, "Well, he apologized." So what's your problem? And my answer would be, "Well, what were his options?" You know, uh, to say no, I'm sticking by my Hitler comments. Let me let me let me make sh- sure that everybody even knows what we're talking about. Um, John Allen, Pro Bowl John Allen, um, a, a player that I really like as a player, and people that I know who know John well um, just speak so highly of him. He's come on my show many times. 
Um, he did what they call an AMA on Twitter, Ask Me Anything. First of all, I would recommend that that's a bad idea. Um, secondly, if you're asked a question, which he was, you can have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who are you inviting? You shouldn't have Hitler in any answer um, unless you're like a history teacher. Um, he wrote my granddad Hitler and also, by the way, added Michael Jackson um, to the tweet. Uh, and then um, he was uh, asked, well, why, you know, why those, why, why, I can understand two of the three, you know, meaning granddad and Michael Jackson, why Hitler? And he said, well, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to be able to, kind of, and I'm paraphrasing here because I was looking for the exact response, but it was like he wanted to, um, you know, learn from a military genius and find out, you know, why he did what he did. Well, I would tell him it's because he hated Jews, for starters. That's why he did what he did. Um, that's not a hard one. And number two, you know, um, I, I, and I think, you know, not everybody understands this, and I wouldn't expect him necessarily to understand it. Uh, but Hitler was far from a military genius. Just check out what happened on the Eastern Front with Russia. Um, no one's ever going to accuse him of being a military genius. But beyond that, um, he apologized. He ap apologized on Twitter. He said early, I, uh, earlier I tweeted something that, I probably, that probably hurt people, and I apologize about what I said. I didn't express properly what I was trying to say, and I realized it was dumb. Um, I think this is, you know, also, you know, is this a good person who's got a good track record? He made a mistake. He apologized for it. That's it for me. It's I agree it's with a, all that. It's enough for me. I yeah. agree with all that, okay. but it, I mean, you're the Walter Payton Man of the Year honor uh, uh, nominee mm -hmm. from your team. You've just got to be smarter than that. And didn't they cover World War II in Alabama? I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did. You know, they, look. Let's just let's say it right now. There are a lot of people that, in a private conversation, would say, "Man, you know, it would just be fascinating to find out." how, you know, the one of the worst people that's ever li lived on the face of the earth, how he was able to, you know, uh, essentially create this incredible cult, you know, and, and, and become the leader that he was. Like, there are, look, I mean, ha there's probably been as much in documentary form, in biography form, um, on Hitler as much as anybody else. People have been studying Hitler for years. Being interested and curious in Hitler is not a problem. Um, but you probably shouldn't, yes, in an AMA, say that you'd like to have dinner no. with him, especially on Twitter. No. Nope, it's, just, it's a bad move. He's a good guy. He seems to have a Hitler's good heart. Not, Hitler's not a good guy. Uh, no, uh, I'm not, I don't mean him. I mean Jonathan I, Allen. I know. <laughs> Let me just make that clear. Okay. Jonathan Allen. But uh, it was a pretty stupid thing to say. All right. Uh, up next, um, Tommy's got some news. I think it would be maybe breaking news. Who knows? By the time the podcast is out, it might not be breaking anymore. On Bradley Beal uh, and something else about the Wizards, I've got a Super Bowl trivia question to ask Tommy as well when we come back, right after these words from a few of our sponsors.
MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag, guys, for all of your Super Bowl betting. They're doubling your first deposit if you use my promo code, KevinDC. They're giving you free money. I mean, there are very few sites, and I've done some research, that are doubling your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. You can literally get an additional $1,000, up to $1,000 to wager with. They've got every prop bet you need. They should be your home, my bookie, for Super Bowl 56. Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, Kevin DC. Take their free money even if you have another site. I promise you it will be um, worth it. Um, I've got a Super Bowl trivia question for Tommy. Um, I also have uh, a couple of Super Bowl topics coming up. But you have some news related to the Wizards. Share it with everybody. Okay, well, let's, let's, not, let's not get crazy here. I have information that I consider credible to discuss here on the podcast. Would I write it at this point? Probably not. Whoa, hold on. But Stop right there. It... Stop right there. You won't write it, but you'll go ahead and let it fly on my podcast with you. Why is that? Uh, yes. Well, but we've discussed this before. Nobody takes this seriously? I mean, there's a di- no, there's a different standard. Okay. You know, when you like really? when you put things on paper, when you put when you type things out, uh, uh, as, as I've learned from my DeShays or other column, it becomes very real, as opposed to talking about it on the podcast. I think I think a lot of what we so, talk on the podcast generates a lot of attention. Well, it does. It, I'm not. Now look, I'm not. Don't take it personally. I'm not trying to diminish <laughs> what we do here. I, I know you're not. Okay. Um, you are, but okay. go ahead. All right. What's the news? Okay. Well, I, I've heard from pretty reliable sources that Bradley Beal uh, will probably be staying in Washington. Uh, will probably sign a long-term deal later this year. Uh, and uh, the fact that he's having the surgery, agreed to have the surgery now, would indicate that they, they likely have a handshake agreement uh, for that deal and that he's staying here. Um, I mean... I, I think that I, I my, my my lean was that he wasn't going to get dealt, and if he wasn't going to dealt be dealt, that it m- meant that more likely than not they were both you know the Wizards were confident that he would resign here. Um, that, that's that's good information because by the way it's still up in the air, and that's real information. But you yes. know, coming off yeah. this injury and the fact, and I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast that. He's essentially missed 79 games. Well, he has. He's missed 79 games in the last three years. If you factor in that last season was a 72-game regular season, basically he's missed a full season of regular seasons in his last three years, and he's coming off his worst season in recent years, and he's coming off wrist surgery second time. You know, I'm not so sure that the market for him – was what it was going to be maybe last year or if he had been coming off another great season. So take the extra year that the Wizards can offer and the extra near $60 million that they can offer. It's just a better deal. I just personally, Tommy, I just don't know what the end game for the Wizards is. Uh, Ted wants Bradley here. Tommy wants Bradley here. So to your you know news, Bradley will probably be here and he'll be your highest-paid player, and because of that, they're going to expect him to be their best player, and it's just not going to lead to much that's exciting when you get to May. 
you know, in the playoffs. No, it's not. I mean, they are going to struggle around that Wizards limbo, you know, uh, that between 40 and 45 win seasons that, uh, that we've become so accustomed to. Uh, that they're they're going to be in Wizards. Used to be Bullets Limbo. Now it's Wizards Limbo. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 what they? I've always maintained that changing the direction of an NBA team. And I know there've been a bunch of changes recently, like like uh, Phoenix changed dramatically, Memphis season will change dramatically. One of the things is you have to get very lucky in the draft. But without that. It's like turning around a steamship in a harbor. It's it's so hard to change the direction of a franchise in the NBA without luck. It is. And um, the only way really to get lucky is to just, in the draft, stumble on the next Kawhi, stumble on the next Giannis. You know, when you're not picking one overall or, you know, three overall and – and not all those yeah. picks. Most of those don't work out. I mean, it's amazing the NBA draft. The hit rate's so low on ending up with a really good player. Hey, yes, it is. And even a, even a really good contributor. Um, but yeah. Um, all right. Uh, and the other the other yeah, piece of wisdom is give everybody the other piece. Yeah. Well, really, Hachimura, who I like, even though we haven't seen much of him this year, uh, is not going to be traded. I know there have been talks that, uh, that he might be involved in some kind of deal, but uh, if nothing else, he's too valuable for, for Ted Leonsis' pocketbook uh, with the money that, that they're making in Japan marketing him as a Japanese NBA star. So he's not going anywhere. That makes so much sense to me. It makes so much sense. I wish I, wish I had thought of that before because that's such an obvious answer as to why Rui Hachimura – um, isn't going to get traded. It, it was an obvious answer once he was drafted uh, that Ted saw, you know, dollar signs associated with the drafting of, of Rui Hachimura. I, I would also add, you know, he's got tremendous upside as a player. Um, but, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, I want to finish up the show with three things. One, I have a question for you related to the Super Bowl. Two, I have a Super Bowl trivia question to ask you which I think is going to be one in which I think you'll get it, um, and then it may spark a conversation about this said player. And then three, I want your Super Bowl pick. But my question to you is this. Sean McVay right now is already highly thought of, right, as a coach in the NFL. This is his second Super Bowl appearance. If he wins the Super Bowl, does he become among active coaches a coach that you would refer to as elite, like Bill, Bill, you know, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid territory? Yes, yes, I, I think he does. Yeah, I think he does too. Yeah, absolutely, think he does. I mean, when we refer to Sean Payton. As an elite coach, he won one Super Bowl. I know, and I think Sean Payton yeah. is an elite coach, but he's not active anymore. He's actually, yeah. you know, he's out of the league right now. Right. Um, right. I know that. I, I mean, know that. Boy, why don't we go after him in Washington, eh? <laughs> well, I think I think Payton will be the, the 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 Cowboys head coach this time next year. But I, like I was thinking about, to me, like Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton when he was in the league, but he's not. 
I put John Harbaugh into that category. I put Mike Tomlin into the elite category. And I know Steelers fans, some of them will cringe when I say this because, I don't know, for whatever reason, Steelers fans are much harsher on Mike Tomlin than maybe NFL fans are. I think he's a great coach. I think the last, you know, two of the last three years, he's proven it, you know, with with all of that he went through, you know, two years ago um, with Duck Hodges at quarterback, and he still figured out a way to go eight and eight. The fact that this team this year got into the postseason is a miracle. Um, I agree. uh, I. I think, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, and I do believe that Kyle Shanahan is an excellent football coach. I think Bruce Arians is an excellent football coach, but neither one of them is elite. I think some people would put put would would put, excuse me, Pete Carroll into that conversation. Um, I love Vrabel as a coach. Love Vrabel. I really like Frank Reich as a coach, um, but not elite level. Uh, but if Sean McVay wins this Super Bowl, maybe even without it. I think he's kind of proven himself to be an elite head coach. Now, you know, one of the things about the Rams, they have gone for it. They have said to hell with the future on draft choices and just said, we're going to trade for every great player out there because we got a coach, by the way, and this is what part, this is part of what makes Sean elite is that he takes, you know, guys that may not work with other coaches and he makes them work for him. Jalen Ramsey, OBJ right now, et cetera. But listen to his five years right now in LA. 11 and five, all right, in his first year as a head coach. Lost to the Falcons in a wild card game. 13 and three went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. Nine and seven didn't make the postseason. 10 and six won a playoff game, by the way, last year at Seattle, Seattle with John Wolford at quarterback. Goff was hurt, then lost to the Packers, and then 12 and five this year, and they're in the Super Bowl. His postseason record is six and three. His regular season winning percentage is 680. Yeah. If he wins this Super Bowl yeah. and maybe okay. without it, he's got to be got considered a new coach. Yeah. Uh, just just getting to his second Super Bowl in five years put him at the head of the Mike Shanahan coaching tree class. Oh my God, the Shanahan coaching tree—it's amazing. And you know, no one ever mentions that he had a tree from Denver. You know, that started with Gary Kubiak. You know. Oh yeah, um, I know. But let's just deal with the Washington tree. Yeah. You know, the Washington, the Commanders fans' nightmare. Uh. All the people that were in the building there, including Kyle. Let's just put him ahead of Kyle. Well, already being at his second Super Bowl. Well, he beat Kyle in the NFC Championship game, and he's been to two Super Bowls, and if he wins one, Kyle hasn't won one. Um, I'll I'll tell you what, Tommy, honestly, I put Kyle's offensive, you know, I'll use the word genius, ahead of almost anybody in the league. That's how much... I respect Kyle as an offensive innovator. But I think Sean's very innovative, too. I think they do it in very similar ways, obviously, because they're both off of the Mike tree. Um, But uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, if you said you only get one of them and you have to pick right now, I think the only reason I would pick Sean is not because I think he's a better coach, but I think he is more likely to continue to attract top-tier talent. I bet he is easier to work for 
and work with. Sean's got a really Sean is a great dude, okay? And I yeah, you know, is. I haven't talked about this a lot. Obviously, I've gotten to know Mike very, very well, and I love Mike Shanahan, and I consider him to be one of the smartest football people I've ever had conversations with, and and so fortunate to have been able to have just not the on-air conversations, but so many off-air conversations with him over the years. Kyle, I think I've had one conversation with Kyle. Sean, when he was here, several conversations with Sean. And Sean's just one of the, he's one of the guys. He's one of the guys, and you are immediately impressed with, this guy's a phenomenal communicator. I don't think Kyle has that gift that Sean has in being able to communicate and being able to be incredibly relatable and likable, but I do think Kyle's every bit the X's and O's, if not more, um, than Sean is. But I'd take Sean probably. I would probably take Sean. So would I. I'd take Sean too. So what's your Super Bowl trivia co- uh, answer? Okay, um, I've got a Super Bowl trivia question for you. The question is that Matt Stafford on Sunday will become just the second quarterback from the University of Georgia to ever start a Super Bowl. Do you know who the other guy is? Just the second Georgia okay. quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl, and I, I'm, I, I'm I'll give you a hint. This is back, you know. This is a '70s superstar Hall of Famer that we've had conversations about on the show. Okay, okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Tell me when you need another hint. I need another hint. Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> oh, Fran Tarkenton? Yeah. Fran Tarkenton's the only other Georgia quarterback to ever start I, I, the Super Bowl. I didn't even know where Fran Tarkenton went to college. Oh, I just figured you wow. would. I, I just figured you would have. No. Okay. I should have, but I, I I never even knew that. By the way, Joe Burrow. Great quarterback. Joe Burrow is just the second quarterback in the history of LSU to start a quarter, uh, start in a Super Bowl. But Fran Tarkington never won a Super Bowl. You know, Tarkington is one of those guys, by the way, and this is why I asked you this question, because uh, you wasn't Tarkington just way ahead of his time in the kind of quarterback that he was, and that if he were playing in today's NFL, he'd probably be even greater than he was? And how was it that a quarterback that really didn't throw from the pocket and was much more of a scrambler, um, even though he you know, left as the all-time leading passing yardage leader when he left the league? Wh- wh- how- and touchdown leader. And touchdown leader. A guy that played on the move all the time, Russell Wilson-like, you know, Lamar Jackson-like, um, Michael Vick-like, for his, for a day in which you didn't have many of those players at all. How did they see through that? How did, like, Bud Grant see through that and say, yeah, that's our guy, when it just wasn't in vogue? Well, you know, it's funny because he played for the New York Giants I remember. first. Yeah. And, and the Giants traded him. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're right in that he was way ahead of his time, and he would be quite the handful in this day and age to deal with. Very smart uh, quarterback as, as well. Not a very big either, six feet tall. I, I mean, did. You know, like Russell Wilson. Didn't he play? Uh, he looked even smaller, right? 
I mean, he really yeah. did. He looked tiny on the field. Um, th- th- this is a guy that I mean, you know, for the time, was you know he was throwing twenty nine, twenty five, twenty six touchdown passes during a time when like eighteen was a lot. Now he threw a lot of picks, like all the quarterbacks did. Uh, back then, and he has a very, you know, a, a high inter- interception percentage, which a lot of the quarterbacks do back in the day. But this guy was elusive; like you couldn't catch him. I mean, he was the greatest scrambler of his day. Imagine if they put in college-style plays for this guy. He was amazing. I mean, I remember him, you know, as a kid in the 70s. And the Vikings, you know, they played the Redskins in the playoffs multiple times in the 70s with Tarkington at quarterback. Um, Now, the one when they played him um, uh, in the playoffs in 82, Tommy Kramer was the quarterback. And then Wade Wilson was the quarterback when they played him. Uh, in the NFC Championship game. But in the 70s with George, the George Allen teams, Tarkington was the quarterback. And I remember, oh, my God, this guy's impossible. And there just was nothing like him. Yeah. I, I know the guy, Tommy, who quarterbacked for the Chicago Bears, Bobby Douglas, right, was a real scrambler. But Tarkington wasn't uh, – t- t- I mean, Staubach was a scrambler, but there just weren't many quarterbacks like him. No. Definitely not. Not who not not who could throw like he could. Not not that combination. There weren't. Um Theisman was a big time scrambler. Remember? You know, when, when they had Joe, yes. one of the reasons that, you know, nobody thought Joe would be any good is because you just didn't think of quarterbacks that were scramblers as guys that could do it. You needed the Sunnies and the Billy Kilmers and the you know, and the um and the Ken Stablers to hang in there and fire it from the pocket. Which, by the way, you still need today. Um, okay, so Tarkington uh, in, and now Matt Stafford, the only Georgia quarterbacks to ever uh, be a Super Bowl starting quarterback. Um, what's your Super Bowl pick? 24-23 Bengals. You like the Bengals, huh? 24-23. That would be Cincinnati in the under. Okay. Yes. All that's right. my that's my pick. All right. Um, I good will... thing I don't have to. It's a good thing I don't have to go get healthy on this game, as people like to say for the Super Bowl. Get healthy, like is in chasing yeah. chasing the money that you've lost yes. all season long. <laughs> yeah, actually, that see, kind of get healthy. That's where I feel differently because, like, I I I mean, there have been many years with Super Bowls I haven't had a really strong feeling. Last year I did. I really loved Tampa in the Super Bowl last year, and I was right about that. I actually, I really liked the Niners the year before and was nearly right on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't – you, you don't – if you've been getting your ass kicked uh, during the football season and you got one game left, that's no fun. Um, no. But there will be Not more. A good place to be. There will be there will be more wagered on this game than anything else. Oh, you know the other thing I had on my list, real quickly. There's no way Patrick Ewing can survive, right, at Georgetown. They lost. I don't, they I lost don't see to, how. They lost to DePaul last night. You could make the case right now, Tommy, that Georgetown is the worst Power Five team in America. There's no way. Yeah, and Patrick Ewing's coaching career is probably over. Yeah, but hopefully... I mean, they used to talk about him, how, you know, he got passed over for NBA jobs. Well, that that ship is sunk now. 
Yeah, but he could always go back and be an assistant in the NBA. Be an assistant? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, the first, well, I mean coaching. I mean it's a head coach. I'll tell you what. I was dead wrong about it. First first year when I was watching, I'm like, they're well coached. And still when I watch them sometimes, I think they're well coached. They have no talent. No talent. And every they, they must nope. not be making very good second-half adjustments. They had a 40 – listen to this. They had a 47-42 to 42 lead last night in the second half at DePaul. And the score went to seventy to forty nine. They, they DePaul went on a twenty eight to two run. I mean, they've been just destroyed in the second half of these games. All right, wow. um, we're done for the day. Cooley will be with me tomorrow. I'll have a Super Bowl smell test and a Super Bowl pick. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, Tommy. See you. See you, buddy.